Welcome to the unofficial House of Wind book club, ran by two best friends and self-declared members of the Knight Court. Today we are discussing chapters 25 and 26 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. I play that song so much. My kid knows the words. Wait, can we get a recording of, obviously not her face, but can we get an audio recording of her? Of her singing it? Oh, absolutely. Every time I'm editing, she's like, can you play it? Play it, play it. And then when I stop, she's like, play it again. And I'm like, when I get to the end. So like she waits for me to start and finish editing. Stop it. It is her jam. Oh my God. Hi, Libby. How's your week going? It's going. Anything uh, special with your week? Yeah. I don't know if special is the right word. I'd say it is. I don't know. What do you... I think so. So most people would probably be embarrassed by this or like shameful. I, on the other hand, from day one, have decided to make it not a shameful thing and something I'm proud of instead. So today, as of a record date, is my five-year suicide anniversary. So I'm not dead, which is cool. I think so. James hates that I call it my death day. (laughs) I personally find it funny. So I always have my death day anniversary, which I have to deal with things with dark humor or I won't make it through. Abby, our text chain, I don't think I'd want anyone to actually read it. No. No. No, Libby. I remember messaging you about an important anniversary in your life and it was very dark and I even messaged you saying, I am so sorry in advance. But here's the joke. I think I replied with something even darker too. I think we just kept going. Yep. So I am making today a good day. My husband and I are going to go to Primark for the first time, which there was a whole phase of life where I watched British YouTubers (laughs) and they would always go to Primark. And I was like, oh, I'll never get to shop there. Yeah, they opened up one in Venice. We're going to go to that this morning. And then we're going to go up to this place called Piancavallo. I want you to Google it, Piancavallo. It is the very tip top of a mountain. It's a ski resort in the winter, but in the summer they still have the ski lifts running. So you can like take the ski lift up to the very top of this huge mountain range and it's beautiful. You're suspended in the sky and they also have an alpine roller coaster. Is that the only way to get up there is ski lift? I mean, you drive. As a, as a deeply afraid of heights girly a hard pass if that's the only way up there i mean you drive to the top of the mountain but then to go up to the top of like where where you would ski yes oh that's gonna be a no well i'll take pictures for you yes okay absolutely i will live vicariously through your experience then and then that's what we're doing in the afternoon gonna hang out with the puppies and have a nice dinner and we were gonna go to venice but i think it's pronounced ferragosto i should probably double check that give me one second yeah Look at me knowing Italian. Uh, A public holiday celebrated on August 15th in all of Italy. It originates from Theragosti, the festival of the Emperor Augustus, who made the 1st of August a day of rest after weeks of hard work on the agricultural sector. So it's literally just a day of rest in Italy. So we didn't want to go to Venice because it's going to be crazy busy. So we're just going to go to the mall in Venice instead, which is like not on the actual island. But I'm really excited. We're going to make it a good day. What about you? I have kind of a funny story. I don't know if I just attract the strangest people in my life. You do. Or maybe I'm just super observant. And I like I do like to people watch. And yeah, maybe it's judgment. I'm not sure. Yeah, I enjoy people watching. I was at Dollar Tree the other day looking for reading level books for my child. Because in elementary school, they have um, different levels of reading for books. Let's pretend she doesn't already read at a college level because your daughter's the smartest kid there's ever been (laughs) she doesn't read she memorizes and just repeats it back to you so you think no if you read something to her once she knows the story and she knows what was said per page so you have to be careful that she is not just regurgitating the information she has memorized and that she is actually reading it. So I had to go get new books that she has not read before so I can make sure she's actually reading. Hey, library, 
the library. Well, a Dollar Tree, it's a dollar twenty-five. So then I could just like have them for her to practice, and then when she's done with them, I can donate them back to the school for her teacher to use. So I went to Dollar Tree, and I was the only one in the aisle for the books. I was alone, which I enjoyed the quietness. I was able to sift through the chaos of that shelving monstrosity. The world's cheapest bookstore. Yeah, I, I didn't expect it to be perfect and clean, so I knew I was going to do some digging. So I'm digging through, and this chick comes down the aisle, and she seems to be about, like, similar age to me. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really have any expectations at all. I was still just kind of focused on my assignment, my my goal here. And she keeps kind of like scooting closer to me, but not like within my bubble of space. So I wasn't too concerned. And then she just kind of does the, <sighs> I was like, whoa. And like, it gets my attention, but I don't, I don't react and I don't entertain it. Cause this is a stranger. Right. And I'm at Dollar Tree and I don't need to, I don't need to interact with other people here. So she keeps doing like the sighing. This happens like another two or three times. <sighs> and eventually like I can feel her kind of like looking over to me and she goes, I just wish they had ABC bingo. It would be so nice if they had ABC bingo. I sure wish they had ABC bingo. Were you standing in front of it or something? No. I don't know why she was saying this, but she was saying it in a way that clearly she wanted me to either comment or interact or help her. I have no idea. Are you supposed to say like same? Sorry, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what she wanted from me. I did not look like I worked there. I was in summer shorts and a t-shirt. Like I wasn't dressed to be working at Dollar Tree. I didn't have the, the, the uniform on. Nothing about me screamed, I'm a sales associate here. But even if I would, why would you choose that method to approach me? <sighs> I wish they had this very specific book that you don't order or even know about but i must tell you i think it was a card game or something because it was like i've never even heard of abc bingo to begin with but she just kept sighing and wanting people to know that she wanted abc bingo and it was so uncomfortable that like i i got like three or four books so i just like dipped out of the aisles like I, this is not worth this lady. Please tell me you came back to get the rest of the books you needed. There were there weren't any other books to choose from that I needed anyway. So I got what I needed. I just wasn't willing to search for more after that. So I wasn't, it's not like I walked away needing more than what I had, but it was so strange. <sighs> I wish they had ABC Bingo, Libby. You know, I hope she found ABC Bingo. I really did. I, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, woman. I don't know how to help you. <laughs> I don't know what to do here. Oh my god, you must just attract all the crazies. Within the same day when I went to Five Below, some guy came up and was like... Oh, hold on. I would kill somebody to go to Five Below right now. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, I just... I opened that wound up for you, Abby. I'm so sorry. Oh. Continue, but... Oh, that and Target. Counting down the days. Take a moment to grieve for your lack of Five Below. Yeah, can everybody send me videos of y'all going into Target and Five Below or photos? Because I'm really jealous. That is all. A POV video of someone wandering the Target aisles so that you can feel like it's you there. I really need it. But yeah, so the same day I went to Five Below, some guy came up to me and was like, Hey, you got a boyfriend? And... I, I was just like, yep, because I, I didn't feel the need to describe further that I am married and I just wanted this this to be done with. He was like, damn, and just walked away. And I was like, what just happened? What is happening today? It was not your day or it was your day. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't think I am that social of a person yet. Everyone seemed to be drawn to wanting to have a conversation with me. It's the anti-resting bitch face, Libby. You've got the Midwest approachable face. Do I? I've been told I have the RBF. I approached you in college when I didn't talk to most people. Yeah. So, no. Maybe it's just when I'm really feeling judgy. Do you have a question this week? I do. I'm excited about this one. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve, Abby? Would you like me to go first? Because I have an answer. Yes, I really would. I have two. Uh, number one, when anyone smacks... 
their food or their lips or makes a repetitive sound. There is a word for this. Misophonia. I have misophonia, which means that anytime somebody either makes a repetitive sound or a chewing sound or smacking sound or loud noise at any, I hate it. It makes me so angry, like irrationally angry. I can remember two specific times that this happened. Number one, my brother, when I was in high school, thought it was hilarious to get me going with this. So he would play the same music the same song over and over and over again at full blast. And I remember breaking down into tears one day because I was just so done with him playing the same sound. He, of course, as a little brother, thought it was hilarious and continued to play the sound. Um, Secondly, an old best friend, he who must not be named, thought it was funny to chew chips loudly in my ear one night, so much so that I broke down crying because I just can't handle it. Hey, Abby, uh, that's not best friend behavior. Oh, Libby, we know. (laughs) We're aware now. But so much so that I broke down crying and he thought it was the funniest thing in the world. So yeah, that is my biggest pet peeve. Don't chew or make loud noises in front of me. What about you? Gosh, this is difficult for me. I feel as if I have a lot of pet peeves. Let's hear them all. <laughs> New podcast or pet peeves. Gosh, we're going to have so many episodes. For starters, when people passive aggressively try to get my attention, especially strangers with their sighing and <sighs> I wish I had ABC Bingo. <laughs> Sometimes it's it comes and goes. I don't have misophonia as much as you do, but every now and then I do feel enraged by the obnoxious sound of chewing. And it's not so much chewing. It's when it sounds like wet chewing. It's a very specific branch. It is very... All of it. All of it can go rotten hell. It's very irritating. Sometimes snoring really drives me up a wall. Oh, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. That's the other one. I thought that I had a foolproof method of of making my husband and child stop snoring because both of them snore like bears they do rest in peace libby there's no way well and i'm sure that like skylar's listening to this and you know what i will admit i thought i got away with making the snoring stop but he called me out on it and i was like oh crap he knew he knew what my methods were so i was super embarrassed what was it if i just kind of like got the bed to kind of like shake a little so I would kind of like you know like I don't know how to explain like (laughs) kind of kind of kick my leg a little bit so the mattress would kind of like oh I know exactly what you're saying I I knew it yes yes it would kind of like not wake him up but just enough to reset him and to make the snoring stop the other method I had to make the snoring stop which would just do a very light cough it just kind of <clears throat> something like that again not to wake him up just to kind of like i call it the reset method the the start over button and finally like after months of doing these things i don't know how it came up but he said he knew that like i would shake the bed or i would cough if i wanted him to stop snoring he's like just wake me up and tell me to roll over or something and i was like ah what? I didn't do that on purpose, but also horribly cringing because, oh my God, he knew this whole time what I was doing. Do you want me to tell you how I have not killed my husband? Yeah, yes. With snoring? Yeah. The headphones on my ears right now, Yeah. they're padded and they're comfy. I wear them to bed every single night. Oh. They have noise cancellation on them and I put it on and I put on some YouTube or something and I have a white noise machine. Yeah. And even with both of those, sometimes I can still hear him snoring. Because I have to set an alarm for work. So do you have to set alarms in the morning or do you just kind of get the... You can still hear it. It'll go through my headphones. Okay. Oh yeah. I cannot sleep without these things. And this is my second pair of them and I will buy 500 more if I need to. They're like 50 bucks and I get them shipped over from the States and they are the best thing I've ever invested in because it's at the point now, Libby, where I don't really even go to sleep. Like if I'm taking a nap, I still put my headphones on because now I'm just used to sleeping with them but it's it's a tool that way so we don't you know end up in jail for murdering our husbands because you know they snore really loudly just wear your headphones well and it's not just Skylar it's our child too but both of them Skylar I can't physically roll over so I do have to kind of wake him up and say hey 
can you roll over? And he does. And we've never had issues since then. My child, however, I can physically roll over. So I just roll her to her side. And they both, if you roll both of them, if they both roll to that specific side, they'll stop snoring. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It must be genetic. I don't know what sort of crazy deviated septum issues he passed down to our kid. But I just roll her over and she'll stop snoring. But they both snore like monsters and it, oh, nothing, nothing I think enrages me nearly as much as trying to fall asleep and I can't because that's all I can hear. I promise you, you're not alone in that. If it was not for my headphones, I would have, and I say this with all honesty, would have divorced my husband. No. And I love him more than I love breathing. It's that misophonia thing. I just, I can't, it enrages me. I don't want to say without reason. Right. No, I get it. I don't want to say without reason because there is a reason. Irrational, maybe? Is it irrational? Yeah, nope, it's not irrational. It's freaking annoying. All I know is that headphones have saved my marriage. You're welcome. He should write a thank you letter to the company that makes your headphones. You know what? I might. I might write them on Amazon saying thank you for saving my marriage. Thank you for saving my husband's life and my marriage. All right, Libby, you ready for your chapter of the week? I am. It, it might be a little long. I have another seven pager. Hmm, good. Just forewarning. Chapter 25. Favor worried the blight was creeping closer to the spring court. Tamlin had just been called away to one and ended up staying away for the first night since she'd been in Prithian. At one point, Lucian stressed to Favor that Tamlin was alive, which only made her more worried. Favor woke the following morning to find the garden flooded with ribbons and streamers. Alice told her it was all for the summer solstice, and this time, Favor was invited. In the human lands, there would be a non-religious gathering to celebrate the occasion. Favor wondered if her family still accepted the story of her visiting a long-lost aunt. Favor realized Tamlin had still been gone most of this day, too. She hoped to herself that the summer solstice didn't include the same rites the fire knight did. She didn't want to imagine more beautiful fairies lined up for him. By late afternoon, while Favor lingers in her paint room, she finally heard Tamlin's deep voice and Lucian's laughter. Favor took off to find them, but Alice yanked her up the stairs and forced her to change out of the paint-covered clothing and into a blue gown. Alice left Favor's hair down, but wildflowers were woven around the top of her head. Favor could see that the months she had spent in Prithian had filled her once sharp, angular form into something soft and womanly. Favor had curves. Lucian whistled at her as she finally joined them. Favor studied Tamlin, checking for injury. He had none and almost appeared to be glowing. Tamlin told her she looked lovely, and Feyre wanted to purr at the way he said that. Feyre says she's surprised she's allowed to attend, and Lucian assures her that her and her neck are safe, as this is just a party. There's to be singing, dancing, and drinking. Tamlin and Feyre's bodies brushed against one another as they made their way to the garden. Feyre was in awe of the exquisite gowns and the many different bodies that wore them. Feyre lost both Tamlin and Lucian as she ate her fill of strawberry shortcake, apple tart, and blueberry pie. Favor pours herself a goblet of golden bubbly wine when Lucian appears to warn her not to drink that. Favor sniffed, and it only smelled of summertime, not alcohol. Lucian told her again to heed his warning. The last time she didn't, it could have ended much worse, referring to Kalanmai. He says Talon would fight him if she was caught drinking that. Favor then chugs the glass. Favor immediately felt like an explosion had burst through her, and all remaining glamours were now gone. Lucian's hair was burning red like hot metal, and she giggled that she would paint him. Favor takes down another goblet of fey wine and felt absolutely liberated. Favor begins to feel the music around her, and she wanted to be one with it, breathing it. Favor begins to dance, and Lucian tries to stop her, but Favor tells him to quit being so serious. Favor makes eye contact with the musician fiddling, and she froze. Tamlin. Tamlin tells Lucian he will watch after Favor and to go enjoy himself, all while playing his instrument. Tamlin tells Favor to dance, and she does. Tamlin eventually leaves his seat, still playing, and kneels before her in the grass, as if this was just for her, a gift. Moments later, Feyre is lifted and pulled back into the ring of dancing and sees that Tamlin is now spinning her around. Her surroundings were a blur, but he was the tie that kept her grounded to the world. Her body burned for him in the places he touched her. She felt she had never truly experienced summer until now and never wanted to leave the hilltop. Before the next song begins, Tamlin whisks Feyre away. They come to a meadow where the opposite side is full of shimmering, floating shapes, singing in unison, one collective voice, will of the wisp spirits of air and light, also there to celebrate the summer solstice. Tamlin tells her to dance with him. She does. She feels like a wild, free dandelion tuft flurrying around the world. The will of the wisps dance around them. Tamlin tells Feyre he thinks he may kiss her, and Feyre tells him to do it then. 
He kisses her softly, and Favor demands more. That's it? Tamlin kisses her more fiercely. Favor pulls him closer by his neck. Tamlin's hands explore her back and down to her waist, not getting enough at once. He groans and tells her they need to go or they will miss it. They head toward a bare hill, slick with dew, and sit to watch the sky above light with soft, gentle, warm colors that built the new day before them. Favor tells Tamlin that her father once said to let her sisters imagine a better life and world. Back then, she couldn't. She didn't understand. Now she does. Tamlin kisses Favor slowly and deeply, and Favor lets tears escape her as she does. It was the happiest moment of her life. Chapter 26. They all met for brunch the next morning. Ever since Favor's previous comments about the too long table, they'd been eating at one much smaller. Lucian was too quiet, rubbing his head as if he had a headache. Feyre asked him where he was the night prior. He retorted that while Feyre and Tamlin were out dancing with the ghosties, he'd been on border patrol with a guest. His wink implied that they weren't only working. Lucian commented on some rumors he had heard about the other two not coming back until dawn. Feyre glanced at Tamlin, finding his eyes searching her face for signs of regret from the night before. There was none to be found. Feyre noted under her breath to Tamlin that since he bit her neck on fire night, facing him after a few kisses was nothing. Nothing? Tamlin questioned. He looked down to Feyre's lips while asking. Lucian began to ask the cauldron to spare him from his hell. Nothing, Feyre replied, noticing every movement from Tamlin. He questioned her again, voice low and sultry, asking if she was sure it was nothing. In that moment, Feyre wanted nothing more than him. Lucian be damned. She wanted him right there on the table to feel him worship her. Lucian cut in, warning that he was trying to eat. Glad to finally have Tamlin's attention, he warned that he had some bad news. Using all the strength he had, Tamlin tore his eyes from Feyre back to Lucian. Lucian continued that the blight was back, stronger than ever. It had killed two dozen younglings from the winter court. Not only that court, but the other courts were being hit as well. All except, not shockingly, the night court. The blight was making its way farther south. All the happiness she had had moments prior left Feyre's body. She breathed out a question, asking if the blight could actually kill people. Not just people, but children. The blight had killed children. Considering how rare children were in Printhian, she was sure the death of so many would be beyond wounding to the court. Tamlin began to explain what harm the blight could bring when he suddenly shot up, knocking over his chair in the process. Tamlin began to explain what harm the blight could bring when he suddenly shot up, knocking his chair over in the process. His claws popped out and a growl escaped his mouth. It was quiet too quiet, but not a peaceful quietness, but one brimming with fear. She suddenly smelt the metallic scent of magic. She realized the magic was coming from Tamlin, who had glamoured her. She was now invisible. Tamlin breathed deep, retracted his claws, righted his chair, and sat down, slouching slightly as if nothing of importance was happening. Feyre's mind began to wonder what could possibly be coming that had the men in such a tizzy. Who scared them this much? Could it be worse than the Surreal or the Naga? She could hear footsteps coming down the hall. Lucian pretended to look out the window while Tamlin picked out his nails, the picture of casual. But then he appeared. He had no mask. It hit Feyre. She knew him. It was the man who had saved her on fire night. The not-so-stranger stopped a few feet from Tamlin. He wore a top that was black as night, with gold and silver embellishing, and boots that went to his knee. She knew she would never dare to paint him. He didn't bow to Tamlin, instead addressed him as the High Lord in a sing-song voice. Tamlin didn't greet him back, instead just asked what the stranger, who he called Resand, wanted. Resand smiled at the use of his full name, gawking at the fact that Tamlin had used it after 49 years of them being apart, and reminded Tamlin that only his prisoners and enemies called him that. Resand's smile turned from one of laughter to something much darker, laced with death. He turned to Lucian and noted that the fox mask was perfect for Lucian. Lucian said, go to hell, Reese. Resand turned back to Tamlin and said that he hoped he wasn't interrupting anything. Tamlin only stated that they were in the middle of lunch, but his tone was rigid. Tamlin demanded to know why Reese was there. Resand replied that he wanted to check on them and make sure they had gotten his gift. Tamlin said the gift wasn't necessary. Resand asked, wasn't it a reminder of the good old days? Reese looked around the room and noted that he had no idea how Tamlin had been cooped up in this manner for almost half a century. He continued with that, compared to Under the Mountain, this must seem like a luxury. Reese said that he was surprised that after 49 years, Tamlin had made no attempts to save himself or his land. Tamlin said there was nothing he could do. Rhysand slid closer to Tamlin, and in a voice so seductive that it made Feyre blush, he declared that it was such a shame that Tamlin had to endure the full force of it, and even sadder that Tamlin had resigned to his fate. That Tamlin was stubborn, but now he was just pathetic. Lucian cut in. What did the man know about anything, considering it was just one of Amarantha's whores? Rhysian said that he might be a whore, but not without reason. He said at least he hadn't wasted his time surrounded by gardens while the world around them went to hell. Lucian raised his sword ever so slightly and defended, saying that if that's all the man thought he'd been doing, he'd learn otherwise. Taunting, Rhysian called him Little Lucian, said that Lucian gave them something to talk about when he left his home for the Springlands. 
that his mother was in never-ending mourning over losing him. Watch your filthy mouth, Lucian said as he pointed his sword in Rhysand's direction, but Rhysand only laughed. Rhys asked, is that any way to speak to a high lord of Perinthian? Feyre's heart stopped. She now knew why the fairies on Fire Knight had run off so swiftly upon Rhys's approach. She saw how darkness seemed to ripple off him and his violet eyes were as bright as stars. Lucian stood his ground and told the High Lord that this wasn't the Night Court, that he needed to get out because he had no power here. He reminded Rhysand that Amarantha's bed was growing cold. He, Rhysand, was the one who had sent the head. A gift, he had said. Farrah flinched. She wondered if the Night Court is where this Amarantha woman was. A laugh escaped Rhysand's mouth, but within a blink, he was growling in Lucian's face. Lucian pushed Feyre into the wall. I was slaughtering on a battlefield before you were even born, Rhysand begged back. He continued on with a question to Lucian. Who did he think had taught Tamlin how to fight with swords and win over women? Tamlin interrupted, asking Rhysand to save it for another time, that he would be seeing Rhys soon enough. Rhysand said that she was already preparing for him, and that with the state of things, he could report that Tamlin had already been broken and would reconsider her offer. But then Rhys looked down at the table and asked where Tamlin's guest was. Tamlin lied and said that he had sent them off when he knew of Rhys's arrival. You dare glamour me? Rhysand boomed, his eyes turning to Feyre. Lucian only pushed her harder into the wall. Rhysand said that he remembered her and that she must have ignored his warnings to stay out of trouble. He asked Tamlin who Feyre was. Lucian replied with, my betrothed. Rhysand spit back a comment about how he thought Lucian was still mourning his commoner lover after all that time. Lucian shot his sword between the High Lord of the Night Court and Feyre. Tamlin ordered for Lucian to lower his sword. Rhysand scoffed that he was shocked that Lucian would stoop as low as to be with a mortal and that the Lady of the Autumn Court would be heartbroken to hear of this. Tamlin now ordered Rhys to leave, but he didn't. Rhys moved Lucian aside and came face to face with Feyre. Rhys reached down and gently removed the knife from her hand and then threw it across the room. He warned that if she was wise, she would be screaming and running away from this house and all of these people. He said it was a wonder that she was still here. At Feyre's confusion, he turned to the other men and asked if she knew. Tamlin warned that Rhys had seconds to get out. Rhys only said that he shouldn't speak to him like that. Suddenly, without her consent, Feyre's entire body tensed. It was like magic, but something even more than that. She was frozen while an invisible clawed hand raked across her mind. She knew if he tried, she'd be dead within seconds. Tamlin demanded for Reese to let her go, his voice filled with panic. Enough, he yelled. Reese only mentioned that he forgot how fragile human minds were to shatter, that Feyre had such lovely thoughts about Tamlin, that she wondered about the feeling of Tamlin's fingers on her thighs and in between them too. He questioned why Feyre thought it would feel good to have him bite her breasts like he had bit her neck. Feyre was outraged that he was sharing her private internal thoughts. Tamlin raged, let her go. Reese continued, she would have been the one for you and you might have gotten away with it. A bit late though, she's more stubborn than you are. Feyre felt one more touch from the claws in her mind, and then they were gone. She fell to the floor in an attempt to keep herself from sobbing, screaming, or throwing up. Rhysand noted that Amarantha would enjoy breaking her almost as much as she'd like to watch Tamlin as she shattered Feyre. Please, escaped Tamlin's lips quietly. Please what? asked Rhysand. Tamlin asked Rhys not to tell Amarantha about Feyre. Please, he asked again. Rhys pointed to the floor and said, beg, and I'll consider not telling Amarantha. So, Tamlin did. Lucian did. With both men on their knees before Reese, Feyre wished for nothing more than the knife in her hand to kill him. He asked her name. Feyre knew better than to give her identity out to a stranger and twisted to the High Lord. She whispered out the first name that came in her mind, a friend of Nesta's that she'd never actually talked to. Claire Better, she breathed. Rhysand exclaimed that this was interesting and the most fun he'd had in a long time. He said he looked forward to seeing all three of them under the mountain and that he would give Amarantha their regards. And then he disappeared here one second and God the next. The fearful silence reappeared. Well, we got to meet Mr. Reesey Man. Again. Well, officially. More formally. I'm sad to find out that the head really did come from the Night Court. I still don't trust that it was a Night Court member. Maybe it wasn't. I don't think we know if it was definitely a Night Court member, but we know it was uh, branded. Tamlin and Lucian had implied or were trying to allude to the fact that the Night Court used its own Night Court member as a joke. And we know for the fact that, yes, they did use a head, but we're, we don't know that it was from the Night Court. So I still don't think that that's accurate. 
I'm gonna choose to believe they wouldn't be so cruel. Well, I love how this chapter two starts like so happy. They're just at a little party. They're in their little love bubble. And Feyre and Tamlin are dancing on, and he's playing her the fiddle, and she's drinking this fey wine that makes her super duper happy, and he takes her out to see the ghosts. Little ghosty babies, yeah. Little ghosties having fun, and I don't trust anything from our besties writing where things are happy. No. The minute that things are relaxing, I'm like, what's up your sleeve, girlfriend? The other shoe's about to drop. Lucian's pissed because she's drinking the wine, which I get. Because if I knew something was going to affect me, somebody else that much, I'd be like, please don't. But you know what? Tamlin doesn't care. But the thing is, Tamlin's temper is not reliable. One minute he could be mad about a problem, and the next minute the same problem wouldn't bother him at all. So it's not like Lucian truly ever knows what's going to piss off Tamlin and what isn't. So I think he's kind of living on edge in fear of like, oh gosh, how do we keep Tamlin from exploding? Walking on eggshells. Right. Such a stressful way to live. I love that Feyre goes, I'm not drunk. When she is very much, that is me. Oh, absolutely plastered. Do you do that? Oh, yes. In denial. I am absolutely in denial every single time. Skylar's always like, by the time you start denying and start being like, see, I'm fine. That's when you know it's too far gone. Like, I just, it was so happy and it was so sweet. And she's like, this was the happiest moment of my life. And I'm like, okay, so this is where everything goes to hell. Anything by SJM, if... I hear it's the happiest moment of my everything was great. Sunshines and rainbow. I'm like, who's gonna die next? What hell is gonna be brought upon the earth? I cringed quite a bit. I cringed when Feyre purred at Tamlin or wanted to <clears throat> purr. Right. Stop it. Stop with the purring. When you read that, I physically cringed. Disgusting. I saw your face. That was that was hilarious. It was the embodiment of my feelings. It perfectly displayed what I was feeling. Absolutely no. That's almost as bad as he roared. Uh, yeah. <gasps> my husband ever roared. We'd, be, we'd have a problem. The purring thing. The animalistic. I can't with the animalistic correlations. I get that Tamlin morphs into a beast. That... It, so it's not a stretch that he does those things. It's still gross. It's still not my favorite thing. But Feyre, come on. No. It, you know how we talked about, I'm pretty sure last episode, Feyre taking on other people's personalities and identities and losing herself? Now she's getting a little animalistic. Is that not what this is? That's exactly what I got from that. Say we're not scarred, traumatized, whatever word you want to use mm -hmm. by Bestie's writing. This is a very lovely chapter. I have to completely disagree with you. You don't think? The first time I read it, it cringed me. Every time I have read this chapter, I have felt secondhand embarrassment. I didn't. Have you ever drunkenly danced? And like, you're feeling good. You're like, yeah, I dance great. All I can picture is Feyre tripping over herself. Nothing about that seemed... Because she's the clumsy human. Right. She is a clumsy human. She's always getting herself hurt anyway. I can't picture this to be a sultry thing. This wasn't a seductive chapter. This was like... Complete embarrassment. Ugh. No. I will agree with you on one thing. I will agree with you that when he got on his knees in front of Feyre, oh, he was playing the fiddle to her. In my mind, I just had to laugh because I, as I was voted most musical in high school. Okay. I know what it's like to play an instrument for somebody. Not that I've played one since high school, but regardless. I could not imagine getting on my knees in front of my husband and playing the saxophone. No. How that made me cringe. But besides that, like, I don't, I thought it was cute. He, he showed her the ghosties and he danced with her and made her happy. And The ghostie was, that was cute. That was, I'll give you that. I can't get past the dance for me, favor. I was like, no, ugh. It was not cute. It was just, ugh. I also don't like being commanded. So I was like, no, don't tell me what to do. It made it all bad for me. I think the fact that knowing she was wasted on fairy wine just made it hard for me to get through. If we can go with the cute side, the very end was really lovely. She's like, my dad used to tell me there was a life better than the one I had. And I didn't believe him. 
until now. And she's like, it was the happiest moment of my life. Like, if I'm not scarred and traumatized by besties writing, that's such a sweet moment. I instead get anxiety when I read that now. When I first read that, yes, absolutely. I was like, okay, yeah, that's kind of sweet. Knowing what we know about SJM's writing now... <laughs> I reading it, I just feel gut-wrenching twists in my stomach where I'm like, oh no. What's gonna happen? It's, oh, it's coming. Well, and guess what? We learned what happened. The man that saved her on fire night was freaking high lord of the night court. Of course he was, because why couldn't it just be a nice person? It had to be like one of the worst people in the entire world, their entire world. Also... How unfortunate for her that he is the most beautiful man that she's ever seen. Right? Out clothed in darkness. I'm like, mm, that's kind of hot. Okay. Whew. It makes sense. It all kind of, yeah, I get it now. Oh my God. His voice alone made her blush. And I'm like, girlfriend, you just kissed another man and now you're getting blushes from one guy's voice? A stranger? I think Feyre likes things a little bit more rough than she likes to lead on. If we look at the past examples, she enjoyed being bit. Yes, she put Tamlin in his place for acting a little bit, not even a little bit, acting out of out of line for it. But she enjoyed the act itself. And then when he lightly kisses her in the meadow and she's like, that's it. And then demanding more. I was like, Feyre, dude, like he's trying to make it romantic. And she's like, "Mm -mm, get in there. She even said an erotic caress of sound that brought heat to my cheeks whenever we started to talk. I'm like, hmm, okay. All right. It's not a leap for me that she would be so attracted to the night court high lord. If she already kind of likes things to be quite spicy and dangerous. That sounds exactly like the stuff that she's ex- displayed to be into. I love how at the be- beginning of chapter 25 or 26, though, she's so horny for him. She literally says, like, he could have had me right there on top of that table. Like, screw Lucian being in there. I don't care. I want him right now. And then Lucian gives the biggest cock block that's ever existed. He's like, hey, so two dozen children are dead. Mm. And you're like, really? Ruin the moment? Like, also, I mean, sad for the dead kids, but like, <clears throat> you gotta ruin the moment? I don't know how to feel. I had a hard time because I'm not a big PDA person. I'm not ashamed. I'm just not a big PDA person as it is. You touch your husband more than the, you realize this, more than the average human. Do I? When I first started dating people, we've talked about this before. I want my Skylar because he's just like constantly touching you in a sweet little way. I don't even think you realize it's not quite PDA. You're not making out with him at all times. Right. But he's always there physically touching you. Skylar is very affectionate. Absolutely. Skylar absolutely is. And we we have actually discussed this. I'm not as physically, and it's not that I don't love physical affection and I don't love my husband I just am not as big on the touchy stuff that like it doesn't it's not always at the forefront of my mind so but my husband is he's his love language physical touch is not a love language of yours well his is his is touch physical touch so to him like that he is he's very affectionate same James (laughs) very lovey I'm a communication person I like words that's my thing obviously we're super into books like that's clearly so like words of affirmation are your jazz yes I communication is key so I I do have to kind of remind myself more like hey don't neglect that but he is he's absolutely lovey to me I I have to to think about it more so when she's just like I don't care if Lucian's here I was like whoa Whoa, Farah, slow down a little bit. So since surgery, not pre-surgery was a completely different story. Post-surgery, I can get on Farah's level now. I understand that. So I was like, you get it, girl. Okay. I see where you're coming from. Uh, no, like, good for her. But, like, being like, I don't care if Lucian stays here. I was like, I couldn't. Like, I can't. I couldn't be like, you can just watch. I don't care. Like, that that was a whole other level for me. Well, I'm glad that he just, like, poured ice cold water on her. And then suddenly she's, she's like, every bit of happiness I had was gone. Because you got to think, you're thinking about sex. You're thinking about the man you just had a great night with. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know there are two dozen dead kids. Mm -hmm. in the same land as you. You know, I mean, 
not the same court, but the same land, yeah. Corinthian. And so, you know, that happens. We already know that that's one bad thing. And then all of a sudden, Tamlin stands up, knocks over his chair, claws out, growling the whole nine yards out of the middle of nowhere and goes, get Feyre to the window, by the curtains. I'm like, okay, drama king, what's happening? Yeah, that was a lot. And Feyre's like, I'm gonna grab a knife and go that way. And then Hottie McCotterson walks out. High Lord of the Night Court. I feel like Feyre should have learned by now that those knives aren't doing anything for her. It's a kitchen knife. What are you going to do? Carve some steak, my girl? Like, these are these are literal fey. They can kill you in two seconds. And now we know it's two high lords in one room. I don't think a steak knife's going to, pun intended, cut it here. I know that Rhysand, when he does come into this, obviously he's the baddie. We're not liking the things he says and does. It's not, it's not the vibe we're feeling. But... I have to appreciate that he doesn't just in, become enraged. He doesn't just throw shit around and whip out claws. He plays a very smooth villain, and I enjoy that much more. He's really annoyingly coy yes. and nondescriptive and keeps things very, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Discreet? Subtle? Subtle. No, discreet's not it either mysterious yes really was that really the word that's what he is yes i couldn't think of the freaking word mysterious here we go cryptic enigmatic mystic uh obscure i'm mysterious is what i'm looking for yes okay along those lines he's not giving out all this information and he's giving out only certain bits that he's purposely planting and like okay there's a couple of them because i've got some questions for you however tamlin and lucian seem to be on the same page again they seem to understand I, it might be all fey right i i don't know that it's intentional because the what the, the stuff he's saying they're not confused by it Feyre again is the only one left left out of the loop here okay here's my things i'm confused by Number one, Rhysand is Amarantha's whore. Who's Amarantha? Surprise. Is that her? Number two, this is the quote. She's already prepping for you. Given your current state, I think I can safely report that you've already been broken and will reconsider her offer. What offer? Why is, is Rhysand reporting to her? Is it like sexually or is it something else? And why can Reese go into her brain with claws and rake against it? That sounds real gross. Didn't like that. You know what's interesting to me, though? Reese seems to do that without breaking a sweat. Tamlin, however, has said it, just about any magic is exhausting. So Turning on lights is hard for him. I, I wonder here, is it because Tamlin is affected by the blight? Maybe Reesand isn't? Or is Reesand just that much more magically powerful it has to be because she said power that seized everything inside me took control even my blood flowed where he willed it okay where is that pharaoh that's a lot of power to not even be phased by by being able to do something like that is pretty wild and pharaoh instinctually just knows he is not to be screwed with like do not trust him red blaring alarms go off so when he asks for her name which he calls her love which is what i call james so i was like mm, okay he says what's your name love and she makes up a name she grabs a name from a person she's never met he's just so charming and smooth even though he's terrifying and i love a character that is he's got the riz he's so charismatic he does oh i love i love his charisma okay you love a smart aleck, right? That's your favorite. Yes. Well, I mean, I, why did I appreciate Lucian? I love how mouthy he gets. Resan, the embodiment. Can I talk about this? I'm losing my mind because Tam goes, we're in the middle of lunch. Like, because he asks, you know, what's going on today? Reese asks, what's going on today? Tam says, we're in the middle of lunch. And Reese goes, stimulate it. <laughs> I love it. Not like, oh, what's for like, mm, wow, stimulating. <laughs> I read that and I said, smart ass, I love you. <laughs> because again, as someone who loves co communication and words and verbal connection. He's it. Rhysan provides it. Yeah, Tamlin is not that. He's not. He's not that. Hey, Libby, do you have a favorite quote? I highlighted a few things, Abby. Go for it. 
I really appreciated when Feyre got excited about, like, Tamlin coming home and she got forcibly changed into blue gown and she realizes she's got curves now she's she's got quite a figure and she comes down and i love when lucian whistles and he goes cauldron boil me i was like whoa and you know he's doing it like an older brother not like as a yeah that was cute i also okay i also highlighted it's a little bit longer so i have to just read it go for it well i mean it this time lucian said and i shifted my goblet out of his reach Tam would gut me if he caught you drinking that. Always looking after your best interests, I said, and pointedly chugged the contents of the glass. It was like a million fireworks exploding inside me, filling my veins with starlight. I liked that. I liked the illustration of drinking this and fireworks exploding, and it's exploding into starlight. Again, I had to have my aesthetically pleasing quote. So that that was mine. What about you? Okay, I have two. But before I even start that, I have to tell you... We were talking about the purring issue beforehand. I just went back to my notes and I highlighted made me want to purr and I wrote, ew, why? Yes. Stop it. Okay. That's not one of them. Um, I have two. The first one is what we talked about earlier. Uh, It's when Reese is inside of Pharaoh's mind for the first time. And it said power that seized everything inside of me and took control. Even my blood flowed where he willed it. I love that. That's just a cool quote. Yeah. That's got some visualization going there. I love the imagery. Right. And then this is not quite like a favorite quote, but a favorite section. It's kind of long. Can I read it? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Tamlin was frozen. His arms, his claws hanging limply at his sides. I'd never seen him look like that. Please was all Tamlin said. Please what? Rhysand said gently, coaxingly, like a lover. Don't tell Amarantha about her, Tamlin said, his voice strained. And why not? As her whore, he said with a glance tossed in Lucian's direction. I should tell her everything. Please, Tamlin managed, as if it were difficult to breathe. Rhysand pointed at the ground, and his smile became vicious. Beg, and I'll consider telling Amarantha. Tamlin dropped to his knees and bowed his head. Lower. Tamlin pressed his forehead to the floor, his hand sliding along the floor toward Rhysand's boots. I could have wept with rage at the sight of Tamlin being forced to bow at someone, at the sight of my high lord being put so low. Rhysand pointed at Lucian. You too, fox boy. Lucian's face was dark, but he lowered himself to his knees and then touched his head to the ground. I wished for the knife Rhysand had chucked away for anything for which to kill him. Ooh. I mean, number one, I kind of like that Reese was really evil there. Like, okay, if you want me to do it, bow to me. Yeah. And secondly, she called him her high lord. She called Tamlin her high lord. That is the first time we've heard that. I definitely read that. (laughs) Not gonna say it was my favorite thing, especially Tamlin does end up bowing. And I feel like it's all for naught because... Rhysand doesn't seem moved or swayed by it. He just feels like he got more power out of it. And it just makes Tamlin seem weak and not as protective and powerful. He's been promising favor over and over again. She's safe here. He can protect her. He can keep her safe. And he's bowing. And then Rhysand just waltz in and he's bowing. Yeah. And it makes me question, can you actually do these things? Or are you just like to believe that you're the most powerful being when you're probably not? Okay, but let's see the flip side of this coin. He was willing to put his pride out the window and willing to beg for her if that was what was needed. Now that is sweet if we're looking at it from the other viewpoint. It is. It's a sweet gesture. I'm not trying to to take away from what he was willing to do for her. I just realized when reading this that he's painted himself to be something he's not and he's just proven he isn't that he isn't as able to guard her and keep her safe as he like he wanted her to believe he misled her into thinking he can do what it takes he's he's this powerful strong nothing's going to get past him only he can take down the boggy like only he can handle these things and then Rhysand just waltz in during lunch like no no sweat and proves that and Tamlin panics Full on panics. Exactly. Again, I get I get the gesture. I get what he was trying to do. I'm not saying that that wasn't a sweet thing and that he doesn't have the feels. I just think that it, it showed me Tamlin clearly hadn't been as upfront and honest about who he is and what his abilities are. I mean, I would respect it more if he would just straight up say... I, I've lost a lot. I've So much has been taken away from me. There are people that I can't even protect you from. Just being more upfront about it 
would I would have appreciated him being able to because at that point you would have been able to read it and know he's doing literally everything in his power. Hey Libby. Because up until then I was like his he could have just taken Reese down. No, he lied to me. He uh, this is all that he's got left. Give it one more chapter. <clears throat> just just hold your hold, we're getting there. Promise. Oh, he frustrates me so much. Are you ready for our star of the week? I am. I, yeah, I need to be done with Tamlin right now. He irritates me so much. Okay, in an anti-irritating way, our star of the week this week, her name's Kira, and she's absolutely adorable. And her name is, on Instagram is Reads by Kira, and she's gotten about me for us, so I'm going to read it. It says, my account started with a spam account on TikTok. Once in a while, I would post about the Akatar books because I had no one to talk to them about in real life. So it was fun to do it on the internet. Those videos got a bit of traction, and so the book talk niche just kind of happened. I decided to then change my spam account to a book account, and it all started from there. I made other book social medias on different platforms because I was having so much fun in this community. My hobbies include archery, reading, spending time with friends and family, playing video games, writing, hiking, baking, and traveling. Her backstory is that she grew up in the Midwest, spent each year of college in a different place, and graduated in 2022. She now works from home in marketing. She's the most proud of her resilience and perseverance through rough patches to get to where she is today. Something that she wants to share with something that she'd like to share with our listeners is that she'd like to thank you all for making this community such a magical place. Can I just say if I was talented enough to cosplay and dress up like I want to look the way she does when she dresses up as Faye or like all renaissance that that would be the like goals. She's st- Stunning. So Kira is like the sweetest girl ever. Her TikToks are amazing. So I'm also going to link her TikTok. She doesn't have it attached to her Instagram, but I think you guys need to go follow it. So we'll include all of that in the show notes here. She's also got a Etsy store she didn't really talk about, but I want to tell you about it. It's Shop Book Bliss, and she has some really sweet bracelets and necklaces for you guys to check out. So if you've got a minute, go look at her TikTok, her Instagram, and her Etsy. Calling all dreamers. We want to hear from you. Send an email to a court of thorns and podcast at gmail.com. Tell us everything. Tell us how you found the series, your favorite characters, questions you have for us. Tell us if you have requests for minisodes, if you have icebreaker questions of the week that you want us to ask. Just send all of it. Send all the messages. You know the drill. To the people who listen and the dreams that are answered. We'll see you next week. And remember, don't let the hard days win. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar I thought that no one could fix me Can't get hold of my feelings With you in my head With you in my heart I'm not afraid of the dark I miss Christmas music, I'm not gonna lie. My child has been playing Christmas music for months now. Christmas in August, right? It's fine. This began in June, but yeah. It's fine. It's her time of the year.